Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am your host, Kareen, joined as ever by Kim. Hello. And by Ari. Hello. Today we are here to talk about episode 20 from season 2, Return to Tomorrow, or as I like to call it, Goodness Gracious, Great Balls of Sentient Beings. <laughs> My subtitle for this one was, aka Yet Another Society of Ascended Assholes. I don't, were they ascended? They were... More like moved over slightly to the left and trapped. I think it, yeah. I, I don't think they're as enlightened because essentially the reason why they are trapped into great giant balls is because they had a super war and destroyed themselves. Yeah, and this not was just like a, a last, regular war. No, a so much war. more. So much more than your regular war. Mm-hmm. So this episode is probably going to be really short because I left all of my notes at work and I am working off of memory of this episode, which is mostly about how shirtless Shatner was. And (laughs) I don't even know if that's true (laughs) or if I'm just imagining that he was shirtless for 95% of this episode. I think you might be transposing Games Research Escalion because the setup was very similar. Yeah, it's... Brain containers deep underground, ascended jackasses. Always deep underground. Yeah. Everything is always so deeply underground. There's this weird, like, omnipotent voice being thing, which Mm -hmm. is very dumb. Apparently they're energy zombies. Well, because they hold on. Explain zombie, though. Well, in the sense that they are a thing that is dead that is still, you know, acting on the universe. All right. I would go with ghost. Ghost also applies, Because they do possession and stuff like that. Um... This is also notably the episode where Nemo smiles for most of it and is oh, very, very weird. Creepy. Yeah. Very, very strange. He looks super cash, though. Oh, yeah. Nimoy was fantastic in this episode. So relaxed. That bit in um, Sick Bay where he's sort of le- like lounging up against the yeah. door frame. Yeah. yeah. It appeared in the credits a bunch of times. Oh, okay. It's because it's so strange. And I think there was a publicity still of it. Yeah. Because I remember seeing this picture and being like, oh, is this Imagine seeing that in like this. TV guide and going, "What the fuck is going on?" Can you imagine being his kid? I know that there is the documentary film out about that, but like, did he smile a lot in the real life? Probably. It's he did. weird to see him smile. He did as an older man because he did conventions and stuff. He was usually pretty cheerful. I mean, his first book, bo- his first book was called "I Am Not Spock," just to tell people that he's not Spock. Yeah, so and he, then the follow-up book was, was "I Am Spock," because <laughs> everybody so... was really mad that he wasn't Spock. How dare he not be Spock in his private? life? I don't life. think anyone would want to be Spock in their I private wouldn't. life. No, I, I like that this episode is a chance for Spock to kind of unwind, or at least Nimoy to unwind. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also notably, this is the episode featuring Pulaski, and I don't care what anyone says, it's Pulaski. It's Pul- It's Pulaski. It is for sure Pulaski. I didn't even really take down what the actual name of the character was. It's just Pulaski all the way through. So Pulaski, if you don't know, is the kind of, I'd almost say McCoy throwback. She's a little bit. A little bit, yeah. She's she's gruff and kind of brusque. Curmudgeonly doctors. Newfangled things. Like transporters. Like transporters, which have only existed for like 150 years by the time we meet her in Next Gen, but fine. Yes, but in this episode, she's very young. I legitimately gasped the first time they showed her face close up (laughs) because for two reasons. One, it's Pulaski, and two, she is beautiful. Oh, she held up well. Gore- like, in this episode, she's just gorgeous. Age she's was so kind to this actress, whose name I cannot remember. Oh, I, I didn't written, write it down. I haven't written down I just somewhere. wrote down Pulaski. It mm-hmm. says everything that I need to say. Uh, Diana Maldar. Diana Maldar. Yeah. Uh, nice to see her. Yeah. I have... 
a slight complaint is that I wish that it hadn't been the revolving door of female guest stars. Yeah. I wish that we'd had a through line of a couple of recurring characters, but I mean, that was the nature of television back then, is you bring someone in for a bit part, because there was hundreds of other people that you could take. I will say, though, that on the plus side for this episode, I wrote down, oh, she's totally gonna keep the being in her body and go with them, isn't she? And I was pleasantly surprised when that didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, in case you didn't know, this is a body possession episode, but kind of with permission, but kind of not. It also kind of goes into our theme again of ladies don't want robot bodies. No, Mm. they really don't. No, ladies do want to stay young and beautiful forever, but they don't want to be ugly robots. Yeah. And speaking of their robots, the moment that I remember the most from this episode is they're constructing the robot bodies... And they've got their, like, prototype, which appears to be, like, an abacus. An abacus? It's, like, this giant abacus. Oh, the frame thing. The frame thing with, like, string and then clappers attached to it. And, and Scotty, like, random pieces of circuit boards are sort of yeah, stuck and in string here and there. and ribbon. And Scotty kind of cocks his head to the side and goes, I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> which I... Agree. I don't know how they got from that to the creepy android body, and they didn't need to make it that creepy. No, it was. Why was it so moist? It was juicy. Yeah, for lack of a better word, it was juicy, and there was an actual person inside of that. Yeah, it was an actual actor with some minor prosthesis and a lot of, I guess, Vaseline, latex. (laughs) Yeah, he was lubed up. I'm pretty sure (laughs) if you'd like just given him a nudge, he would have slid across that stage. If you had hugged, if you had hugged him, he would have like popped straight up in the air with a kind of like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it was really gross. He was. Yeah, he was he was lubed and ready. <laughs> Ew, don't say lubed and ready. So we encounter yet another society of ascended assholes. Um, they're just sort of wandering through space following a distress signal that appears to come from nowhere. There's also the thing that this is, again, they have gone further into space than again. anyone has ever gone before. This is lost all meaning. Now. It is technically their mission, yeah. but they're often sometimes just like toddling around and parts of space that they know, but sure, every once in a while it's like, yeah, let's take yeah. the off-beaten track. And we know nothing about this planet except that it's a Class M planet, or it was. See, I don't think it is a Class M planet anymore because the atmosphere has been destroyed. I remember making a giant exclamation point at this point because they say, it's an M-Class planet, which led me to believe that it is Earth-esque yeah. Yeah. and able to sustain life. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but this one isn't because they screwed it up in their super war. Yeah. So it's not M-Class anymore. No. no. It's something else. M minus, like an N class. Like M class past tense. Oh, a W class. Because yes. it's M reversed. Ah. <laughs> also W for war. Ah. So of course this giant voice was the giant voice Shatner? I don't know. I, don't I think remember. it was. Because no, 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 no. The voice actor for Sargon was uh, James Dewan. Really? Yeah. Okay, I got a question. Were they saying Sargon with an S or Zargon? Sargon with, with an S and a G. Okay. Really? Yeah. Because I kept hearing Zargon, which was really... Well, everybody said it differently. It was really yeah. kind of like... There was um at Expo 86 here in Vancouver, there was a movie in Can- uh, BC Pavilion about a young girl who travels the province with the help of a alien that looks like one of those red balls you see suspended on like telephone wires hanging over river- river- rivers. You know the things I'm talking yeah. about? And he was called Zargon. And so the whole time I was sitting here going, is it Zargon? 
Is it Zargon? I kept calling him Zardoz. <laughs> you know, the, I'm not sure what's weirder, Kim, that you remember that in such detail, or that I think I know what you're talking about. I was like five at the time, and I probably yeah. watched it like ten times at Expo. Yeah. Okay, ABC anyway. nerds, keep yourselves together. So Zardoz, and I'm going to continue calling him Zardoz, so okay. you might as well just accept it already. You do you. Zardoz comes on and says, oh, my children, finally you've come for me. And it's already the, extremely shady. It is. <laughs> and all the adults on the bridge are like, mm. I don't know about this, Captain. He's he like, is. no, it'll be fun. It's very strange. And then the voice is like, come down into my rocky prison. Uh, I mean, my rocky place. And oh, by the way, I'm dead. And if you don't do it, death will be the fate of mankind. Which is never followed up on or touched again. No, no. he definitely lays everything on the table, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, Again... He, 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 I'm dead for sure, guys. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm done. I'm dead. And yep. everyone seems kind of... No big deal. No big... What the hell? Deal. It's weird, right? And it's, it's a very voice weird. that kind of booms over all their loudspeakers. And again, everyone is just kind of like, hmm. Well, well this, to be fair, it has happened like 50 times already. It's okay, just fair. Yeah, but this is they don't admit up front that they're dead. That's true. That's something they find out as a nasty surprise later on mm-hmm. in the episode. Or that it should have been a very ha- special Halloween episode. Wouldn't yeah. this just be then refreshing when you're sitting in the meeting and you're like, well, we know we're de- dealing with a dead race with, that are now disembodied things. Wasn't it great when they're up front about it? Saves us a lot but of time. But they still have powers, and they're still sentient, so are they dead? I don't think they're dead. Their bodies are dead, they're, I guess. Well, their bodies are gone. So maybe they he's themselves are already like alive. An old, an old definition of the word dead. It seems very strange that they would describe themselves as dead, which, like, I'm very obviously talking and responding to you. Wait, what's the biological definition of life? Is that you're able to change, adapt? Reproduce. Uh, I guess technically they can't have sex, so they can't reproduce. Well, there's other ways of reproducing. They can't split their voices into two? No. Or, like... I don't think they would qualify as alive in a biological sense, but, I mean, this is Star Trek. they're technically alive, though. Hmm. I mean, they're not well, from, from dead. A, from dead a, is no more. The Star Trek definition of life tends to be the one. The that biological can, one. The biological one. Yeah. But they also always follow it up with, but that's only according to what we know. Like, Data and Crusher have that conversation. Oh, yeah. Is Data alive? He basically walks up to her and she says, he says, Doctor, am I alive? And she says, well, the definition is this, this, and this. And you don't, you don't fall into all of those categories, but, like, you're obviously alive. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a vague always changing. My thought and throwing back to many, many conversations we've had previously is perhaps they're referring to themselves as dead because their society is stagnant and can no longer grow. (laughs) And we all know that if your society isn't evolving properly, you might as well be dead. Yep. Well, in this case, that's literally true. Yeah. So the subtext of this episode is really clearly pointing at Kirk and going, what the fuck are you thinking? Because the next thing we see is uh, the diary entry where Kirk basically lays out that any log entry or message we send to Starfleet won't be received for three weeks, so there's no one who can possibly talk me out of this who has the authority to stop me. He seems so game. Yeah. And um, the voice of God comes on, and he's like, so I've locked your transporters. Come on down, it'll be fine. It's 100 miles of rock, but it's no problem. And literally everyone except Kirk is going, wait, what? So you're going to beam us into rock. solid rock. My favorite part is where Spock's like, I should come too. And Kirk says, I swear to God... We can't risk both of us being off the ship. Now it becomes a problem? Yeah. What happened to every other freaking episode before this one? We've had 
50 damn episodes where they've both been off the ship, and now it's a problem? Maybe especially in this instance, he's concerned that Spock might talk sense into him. This was crazy. Except which, he ends up taking him anyway. No, Zardoz turns off the lights. Yeah. It, okay. It's just like, teacher, time out. Yeah, time out until you do what I want. Yeah. And then apparently he that would make reconsider again. Like, oh, so this dude's willing to fuck with our ship to get what he wants. Yeah, let's definitely do what he wants. I don't, again, I don't, it's one of the situations where I honestly don't think they have much of a choice. Well, except he says, it's up to you. You don't have to come down. You can leave if you want to. Uh, he doesn't like, mean it. No, he doesn't he mean it. So they go to the it. transporters, saunter in, and there's Pulaski being like, I'm here. And they're like, why? why? And she's like, well, you told me to be here. He's like, Did I you? said no such thing. And they're like, oh, maybe the alien just put the idea into her head this or is crazy. sent her a fake order. And no one's like, wait, wait, wait. This is so sinister. Game theory-wise, this is already a terrible idea. So sinister. My favorite part of this scene was the violins that started up when they landed on her face, the mm. camera. Yeah. They do a lot of, and this is, again, what they do. If it's a hot lady, they do, like, the close-up. Uh, soft lighting, glowy shot, just yeah. to be like, ooh, this could be a love interest. Yeah. Which I guess she kind of is. But, but not for any of, but not for any of the crew for Sargon. And she's not it's not her. her. It's, it's not, not her. No, it's not her. Her body. It's her body. Which is really with, creepy. But her body only becomes the vessel for the personality and he's really in love with the personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but at it's least, still really creepy. At least Zardos only sees person for what they are on the inside. Although the lady that is inhabiting Pulaski is like, mmm, that body! <laughs> yes! <laughs> the yeah. first thing she says when they inhabit the bodies, she's like, oh my god, I can touch, I can feel, oh, hey! This turned out alright! Well, uh, way yeah. to pick a bod. Yeah. And now let us non-consensually use our host bodies to make Kiss it. with tongues! This is so uncomfortable. Oh, okay, stop, stop, stop! No, I hate that noise! Uh, Pulaski's character's name is Dr. Anne Milhall. Milhall? Milhall. Sure. Milhall. Sure. Um, Kirk is totally cool with all of this, despite Scotty raising extremely sensible pr- objections regarding letting disembodied voices control their transporters. It's true, because they're going to be now with some red shirts, and Zardoz is like, no red shirts. Near, <laughs> no, red shirts. No, no red shirts near my balls. Yeah. So it's just them that goes <laughs> down. And, okay, Zardoz starts to kind of give his backstory, which mm-hmm. is... They were super smart, except apparently not smart enough to get involved in a civil war with nuclear stuff. And they kind of exploded themselves, but they took, like, the best and the brightest to turn themselves into balls. But they also do note that they took the best and the brightest of both sides. Yes. And only three are... And they get all this from Sargon, who's in a ball, a special ball, in a special room on a pedestal. He's the best ball. Why is his ball separate from all the other balls? Because he was like... Because it's the best ball. He's like the greeter at Walmart. He's like displayed nicely in a display case and everyone else is in the other room on a shelf. Yeah. It looks like a globe and I felt like... I don't know if you've seen this episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where someone opens up a globe and the character's like, oh, that's what a globe's for, and it's full of booze. Yeah. I have expected <laughs> someone to, like, lift it up and be like, oh, that's what's yeah. inside. He's being powered by alcohol. <laughs> but, yeah, so they destroyed these, themselves. Everyone's dead. They've been waiting half a million years for 
Okay, here's where it gets really weird. Their children to come back and right. find them? Okay, I want to pause and oh talk about this. And I think you probably thought of the same thing. Because yeah. he basically goes on this long thing about how, like, we went out to the universe and we explored and we, we seeded many worlds. And this was seeded. before... But this is before they had their civil war and destroyed themselves. But before that, they had an exploration phase mm-hmm. where they went out and seeded worlds. And he's like, we might actually be the, the progenitors of your species and many others throughout the galaxy. And I thought of that next gen episode. Me too. Right. I thought you would. Yeah. Of course I did. Yeah. Like, what else could you think of? There's that episode where everyone's like, we're going to find the secrets yeah. of our origins. And they yeah. get there and there's a hologram going like, we seeded all your worlds <laughs> and you're created in all our images and you're yeah. all super related. And everyone's like, oh. But I hate Oh, those God, guys. no. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be related to them. Let's never speak of this again and go our Basically, separate ways. Yeah. <laughs> but I looked and there's no reference to it at all. So I think it might have just been an inspired by But I decided to believe that it is canon. Okay. Yeah. So, fact. Mm-hmm. This, of course, was highly controversial, as you can assume. Oh, I'm guessing. The original uh, writer of this episode was John T. Duggan, who was a devout Catholic, and who essentially submitted this without all the kind of like, we're all together, we are all one, and the weird atheism overtones. And Roddenberry did a rewrite on Mm -hmm. it. When John T. Duggan saw this, he flipped his shit. Yeah, oh, probably. Because, of course... There, this totally discounts the idea of a god, and there is a line stuck in there that Pulaski says of, well, human beings evolved independently from all this. Which they added after Roddenberry's rewrite. Because, of course, this was crazy to be spouting off in the 1960s. Yeah, God doesn't exist. It was Why like can't space God be a space alien? I have no problem with the idea. Yes. Some would. Some would. Mm. But a supreme being who lives up in the stars? But they're not, not even the stars. They're not a random, like, sub-dimension that exists alongside our own. Yeah, that's an alien from another that's dimension. That's an alien. But they're not, <laughs> they're not superhuman. They are technically human. They're just yeah. giant balls. Yeah. Well, they evolved in, well, no, they transformed themselves into giant balls after Later. they finished destroying themselves. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, obviously this was hugely controversial. Yeah. Huge. Mm-hmm. But, and then, um, so like, oh, yeah, that pretty much matches up with what Vulcans think. Yeah. I did like that. Spock's like, hey, that explains a bunch of stuff about Vulcan. Interesting. But it is kind of interesting that I think they're kind of like, it's the human creation myth, right? You're Adam and you're Eve, and then they seed the rest of the planet. It makes more sense than that. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Of course, they he was angry and took his name off the... Yeah, he put no, his pen sure. name on. He put his pen which is something like... It's like Kingsley Kingston, something like that. It's a weird play on it's Jesus weird. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh, so weird. Yeah. A little unsettling. But yeah. yeah. So he's mad about evolution, but totally fine with calling himself Jesus. Well, yeah. he took a stand. So they he keeps calling him, like, my children, finally you've come back to... Do what? Exactly. Like, what's your end game here? You put yourself in balls, and essentially, I think the plan is, is that they're going to possess human beings in order to use their bodies to build themselves gross, juicy android bodies, and then they'll create awesome stuff. Except, quite frankly, all the awesome stuff that they did 
resulted in a civil war where they destroyed themselves. So I don't actually think these guys are that helpful. There's actually a really great line here where they he lays out like the story of their civil war and how they destroyed themselves. And Kirk's like, okay, fine, we but we had like a cataclysmic nuclear war and we got over it. Yeah, whereas you guys clearly and Sargon's like, oh no, it's completely different. You wouldn't understand, monkey. (laughs) And then he just sort of takes over Kirk's body. He doesn't ask the first time. He just does it. He just whoop whoop whoop. It's like, okay, I already think you should just fucking leave this planet because obviously these people can't be trusted. So true. So yeah, he possesses Kirk and starts talking in this deeply sexy voice, which I was okay with. (laughs) But what I was not okay with is that when they are inhabited by these gross creatures, they, their metabolic rates shoot up and Mm -hmm. they're not supposed to be in there because the human body body can't handle it. So Shiner gets real sweaty real fast. And it is not a good look for him. Because it's, yeah. like, sickly sweaty instead of, like, sexy sweaty. Yeah. Um, I did really enjoy Shatner's um, stiff walking around yes. the room yes. as Zardos got used to having a body again and walking. That was, that he was does funny. some sweet-ass mime acting. work. Yeah. Acting. acting. Shatner is always acting. Yeah. Always. Yeah, and what's, when what Sargon's do, done is he's put himself in Kirk's body and put Kirk in the ball. Yeah. and But Kirk can't put talk to them Kirk because... Kirk in the box. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Kirk in the box But no, Kirk can't talk baby. to them because his mind is not powerful enough, another slight, yeah, bullshit. to communicate. Bullshit. Yeah, I just, whatever. I put your brain in a box, no biggie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he essentially is burning Kirk up and they get upset and essentially Kirk is like, no, it was totally okay. I was just, you know... Bobbing around in a barrel. Mm. But here's here's the deal that they are offering. And so mm-hmm. they have a space staff meeting where it's like, okay, they need to use our bodies to do like There's the three physical tinkery work. There's three of them that survived. Zardoz, his wife. Flissa? Sure. My friend Flicka. And then Enoch? Yeah. Hemlock? I think it's Colin Enoch. and Hemlock. Hemlock, okay. Evil my friend Flicka, and Zardoz. Mm-hmm. And Hemlock is from the other side, and he's so obviously evil. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, hilariously evil. It yeah. was as if they had taken, like, he's a like, twirly evil mustache and, like, taped it on the ball. <laughs> yeah. Like, as soon as you're like, oh, mm-hmm. he's evil. Because he's from the other side, of course. Yeah. Now, I want to, because they do, they have a, a space staff meeting where yeah. Kirk's like, no, we should totally do this. And he actually goes around the table, and he's like, Everyone has to agree, or I won't do it. Fine, great. They basically peer pressure. Is it Bones who has a real problem with this? Who who lifts up his hand and goes, what the fuck is wrong with all of you? Do you not see what a bad idea it is? And he's right. He's like, guys, these are giants, and we're like tiny, tiny, stupid ants in the pantry. They could squish us with a single thought. Like, you don't understand. We don't know these people. We don't know them. We have I, don't, no I wouldn't idea. let strangers in my house to plus, use my phone. Plus, they already like stole your body without asking. What else might they take without asking? Like, why would like, they even have not... to ask? Yeah. Frankly. And here's the thing: is that they're all like, "Oh, we're so evolved. We're so beyond you." And I'm like, and I want to. I wrote here. I submit that an ascended energy being that can't maintain its cohesion without a glowy ball is a failure of evolution. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, if you would really evolve to live without bodies, you wouldn't need the glowy ball. From bacteria to fish, from fish to mammal, from mammal to human being, to human being to ball? (laughs) Seems like at best a lateral move. (laughs) I don't know. Like, the advantage that human beings have over balls is that we can move on our own. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, like, self-cohesive. and We don't get stuck in a corner. (laughs) Yeah. 
And if our power goes out, there's usually ways that we can survive. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have to be plugged into the wall. <laughs> no, if our power goes out, that's called being dead. Yeah, but human beings can be revived. But, like, like, that's the whole thing. Like, we're self-contained, and the glowy balls, we're, like, plugged into a power source. We can't self-self-revive. We no, need to, like, have outside stimulus. We don't need if to be plugged see, into the wall. De- Kim, it depends if you've seen Crank or not. <laughs> But it's like the glowy ball people were basically on life support, and the reason that all of the other ones died and only three survived is because their power failed, and their system failed. So it's like you're in a hospital and you're on life support, and there's a power outage. I do enjoy that the only three that survived are the three that were in the love triangle. Absolutely, <laughs> that kind of dramatic narrative power gives you like that extra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I like that Pulaski mm-hmm. is. I love how actually she's presented in this show. Is that she's not like. She's not your love interest. She's not a sexy woman. She is essentially a scientist who looks at the situation and says, yes, I would like to offer my body for science. Well, she also gets convinced in a believable way because she starts out this meeting going, I don't know. This is all a little hinky. And then she listens and she talks and they discuss and she's like, you know what? No, I want to do this. And Kirk gives his most JFK speech of all this time. This is a very famous Star Trek speech. That's not what you can do for science, but what science can do for you, or the other way around. This is really interesting, though, because um, this was filmed, uh, well, before the Apollo mission they're referencing, which did not reach the moon. In fact, the first Apollo mission, Apollo 1, ended in tragedy, and two mm. astronauts died? Mm. Yeah, killed, oh, killed three astronauts. Yeah, because he says, do you wish the first Apollo mission hadn't reached the moon? And I'm like, did it? Question mark, question mark. And I looked it up. It, it did not. Um, but he goes, the risk is our business. That's why yeah, we're I aboard like this ship. And it's a very famous, it's probably the most famous Star Trek It was speech. a very, like, Star Trek thesis statement. Yeah. I was distracted through this speech because they were playing the theme song under it. Which is, yeah. which is a huge way to just be right out of the episode. Because then I'm focused on the, oh, it's the theme! song. Oh, Kim. It was distracting. No, it was, it was, it was was the thesis Mm -hmm. statement of Star Trek. What I love, I do love that. Risk is our business. Exploration is our cup of tea. Like, whenever you get a compilation of, like, stuff from Star Trek, you always get Kirk saying risk is our business. I I liked this speech. I would have been moved by it, but again, I'm moved by anything that comes out of it. Well, I probably wouldn't have been moved to the point of allowing a disembodied energy being to possess my body. Yeah. Probably. Like, where are you putting me in the ball? In the glowy ball. What if if baby doesn't want to be in that corner? (laughs) And uh, and I wrote here, A plus for adventurous spirit, F minus on genre set. (laughs) It's true, because they hook them up to the balls. They switch. They switch. Uh, Immediately, they start (laughs) taking some unquestionable, some very questionable ethical decisions. Yeah, Enoch uh, immediately ogles and hits on chapel. (laughs) That was hilarious. The first thing the guy in Spock's body does yeah, is hit on like, chapel. Ladies! Yeah. Like, he's barely got his eyes open. And he's like, oh, thank God, boobs and hips, it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> Poor chapel just cannot get a break. Nope. But, and then, of course, uh, my friend Flicka wakes up and he's like, oh, shat in her body. And they start going like, oh, yes, love, lust, I miss She also says so much. that Kirk's body looks a lot like Sargon did. Yeah, bullshit. Sure, okay. That's ridiculous. It's been a that while since ridiculous. you've had eyes. Maybe take some time to adjust. It's been half a million years since yeah. she's had eyeballs. Oh, it's Hanok. Yeah, Hemlock, whatever. Whatever. And so they're going to go off to do these robot businesses. Hemlock is immediately like, yeah, so I need to keep this awesome rad Vulcan body. <laughs> oh, right. So here's the whole poison plot. This is a very Shakespearean kind of episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he, he basically is like, okay, so 
we can't stay in your bodies for very long at a time before we start, you know, burning them up, basically. Yeah. So I'm going to help you make a... What it's a metabolic... It? A me- metabolic reduction injection. Sure. sure. Um, and he... Uh, yes. Sargon has to leave Kirk's body right away because he's burning him up. Mm-hmm. That is because um, Kirk is too hot. hot and up almost... Like, Chapel almost catches him because he takes, he goes off with Chapel to bi- to make the formulas. Mm-hmm. And he hands them to her one syringe, hypospray, whatever, at a time. And he's like, this one, this one, and this one. And she's like, the third one, the one is intended for Kirk's body. This is a different one. What the fuck are you trying to pull? And then he mind melds her into forgetting what she He saw. just puts the whammy on her. I don't remember great. them being able to do that. It wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't like mind melding with her. He was it just being it. like... These are not the vaccines yeah. you're looking for. You're like Jedi mind powers are. Yeah, it's so true. it must have been like a glowy ball power rather than a Vulcan power. Or no, the two I think concert. it's just a Vulcan power that Spock is too noble to use. Mm. I just don't remember them ever having that ability before. The Vulcans don't. I think no. it's like I think it's, it's a combination. Like, I think it's, it's too. It's they are too noble to do such a mm. gross violation of things. I really like this because Chapel is enough on the ball and yeah. kind of questions and like, hey, ball, this yeah. seems a little bit weird. Yeah. yeah. And I really enjoyed Majel Barrett's acting when you, like, so that you can you can tell yeah, when she yeah. has the whammy on her, but it's enough, it's not quite enough It's not that, super obvious. Yeah. It's, it's enough uh, that the audience knows, but not the people. Kareem disagrees. Strong disagree, and McCoy is the worst doctor of all time. Yeah. Yes, we have established he, he this. He does not know, she's, oh yes, the injections. He's like, Gee, you sound tired. You should go take a nap somewhere. And I'm like, oh, no. huh, there's some, I'm fine. There's some awfully suspicious behavior going when three people are possessed. Yeah, and we're preparing like mysterious formulas that will supposedly keep their bodies from dying oh, while so they're possessed. So so nonsensy. But so, basically, the third formula that was intended for Kirk is less effective than the others. Yeah, so he's going to burn up. Yeah. So Hemlock, yeah, Hemlock goes like full on Iago. Yeah. Because he goes up to my friend Flicka and he's like, mm, "Isn't being in a body awesome? Think of all the sweet body stuff you can do." Mm-hmm. And then he takes her over to the giant clothesline that is going to be their body. Mm-hmm. And he's like, can't you just wait to be that? And she could wait. <laughs> she kind of loses it. And she's like, I don't want to be a machine anymore. I want a body, a real body. This body, this body with all these boobs and this hair. It, it is true. I, I do feel for her because um, Zardoz is so upright and so, like, outstanding Citizens Brigade. Mm-hmm. He's, like, the noblest noble that ever noble. He is. Yeah. He's, like, the unicorn of their society. Um, and he doesn't quite understand why they wouldn't want to, like, keep these great bodies. Yeah. Because at a certain point, she kind of shimmies up to him and is like, can robot lips do this? <laughs> And he's like, no, no, we must, we must. It wouldn't be right. Mm. Yeah. But while this is happening, uh, Sargon in Kirk's body, who's been getting the less effective serum, passes out. He swoons. He swoons. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I dug. And he's dead. He's dead. He's yeah. dead. I love that. He's just dead. Oops. He's just dead. Uh, McCoy put- resists screaming, I told you so! I told you so! <laughs> yeah, he's working real hard against that impulse. And well, they I put know him he's on- Life support, because Kirk's mind is still in the glowy ball, but his body is dead. So they put it on yeah. life support, and they're like, okay, but how do we get this back into this? <laughs> I don't think you can, guys. <laughs> can you just, like, tap them together? It's like, this light bulb does not fit in this lamp. I assume it would be like cracking an egg. Like, you just go, and then you open up the two halves, and the brain just kind of <laughs> leaps into the head. 
If you think through an ear sieve? Yeah, sure. And now we see um, Hanok and Felisa with the squishy Vaseline and And I have an objection here because this is a very clearly male gendered body. Like, it's obviously meant to. Why in the name of anything would you make the default features of an android body be male? Okay, here's the thing. It's not androgynous. It's male. It is because it is a man in there. But it doesn't have, like, a penis or anything. But uh, Hemlock is like, oh, Flicka, this is just our prototype. We'll put some female parts on it later. And I, like, I know that he probably made it look like that to freak her out. But, like... It freaked me out. It freaked me out. But, like... That is not what a default... It's just... It bugs well, me. Well, it, it also... Like, we have no way of knowing that they were actually building it for her to start with. It could have been for one of the two dudes in the party. That's possible. Yeah. And that... Um, because I think it was probably for Zardoz, since he kept burning Kirk up. Uh, yeah. Maybe. But he's like, yeah, we'll just, like, do some more sculpting to make it prettier. And yeah. he's like, won't it be great, Flicka? Won't you have so much fun in this She does not think it will body? be great. No, she's right. It would be awful. Um, and this is where she basically decides, you know what? I'm actually going to keep this body. Oh, the name of the guy in the android suit is William Blackburn. He did a good job. Yeah. His face he, was scary. He just lay there really nicely. He did. Mm-hmm. He did. But he it looked as if any moment he would, like, sit straight up mm-hmm. and open his it creepy mouth. very and just creepy. Wordless screams would come out. Ah! That's terrifying. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> So she goes back to sickbay, and she basically tells Bones, so I'm going to keep my body, but I can totally save your captain if you just don't tell anybody that I'm still in here. Yeah. And Bones is like, that's not how it works. I don't own his body, and we're, you're, he's not, like, I don't, we don't own people. We can't barter with them. What do you think? Like he's not yeah. a peddler of flesh. I yeah. really yeah, like that. I like that. that. Where he's, I he's like, that. literally, I, like, I literally cannot make a bargain about this woman's body because it is not mine. Yeah. I love which that. Which I liked. Which, yeah. of course, she flips out and shows her giant powers, which McCoy guessed yep. all along. So, again, he's not a good doctor, but he is genre savvy? He is yeah. genre savvy. He is genre everyone savvy. on this <gasps> ship. <gasps> yeah. I I enjoyed the uh, effect as well. I called it purple pain. Yeah, yeah. He, she puts the purple haze on him. Yeah, yeah, and he curdles up in despair. And, and then pain. she's like, "Oh shit, Sargon was right all along. Yeah, we yes. can't be trusted with these powers. No, because they turn into psychopaths immediately. And then out of nowhere, guess what? Sargon's fine. He was fine the whole time. Yeah, he was just kind of floating around waiting for her to screw up and see the error of her ways, I guess. My god, what did she see in her? Could you imagine being married to that? How insufferable that would be? It's irritating. Like, if you left your, like, if you left your clothes on the floor and he just waited watching you and then one day you tripped over them and he was like, I I hope you learned your lesson now. Yeah, it's exactly Ah. what this was. He's a dick. He's I mean, yeah. awful. So and he's a noble prick. dick. Yeah, but it's he's actually he's not floating dick. in the air. I just remembered he's in the ship. He's like okay on the television series Christy. Yes, I love Christy. He's, he's like, the preacher. He's the preacher. He's the fucking preacher. Yeah, and who would want to fuck the preacher? Nobody. Not no. even Christy. I would rather be the big one with the bigamist doctor. Like if if forced. Yes. If forced. Yes. And Vivar Burton was not an option. No. Anyway. Uh, Sargon's like. <laughs> I knew you'd agree with me. I was just waiting for you to realize I was right the whole time, which is insufferable. But he is right. They can't be trusted. Of course he's right. Um, And basically, so Felisa kicks Bones out of the room and keeps chapel. And there's this weird sort of sleight of hand thing going on right now. Yeah, sure. It's it's very, well, the play's the thing. You're in, we'll capture the conjure. The ship shakes. The door opens. Chapel comes out. And Kirk's fine. Whee! He's totally fine. And Anne is back in her body. And the spheres are basically melted slag. 
Yeah, so they killed the spears, but uh, Spock is still possessed, and he decides because what else does Spock Wait. do? He Spock's Spock's no Spock to... kills Spock kills Kirk's balls. Spock was brain Spock's brain <laughs> Spock's mind was still in his ball as far as everyone yes. knows. as far as everyone knows yes and, and then they he, they killed Spock's ball so yes so there's Spock, no reference Spock is ballless. Okay. Spock's yeah. brain is floating around. Well, no, as far as they know, Spock is dead. He was in the ball when sure. he destroyed. Sure. Okay. Spock's dead. But, um, Hanok is still in Spock's body. Yes, and he is going to stage a coup to take over the ship because, of course, he is yes. because that's what Spock always does. And Kirk's does. like, it's necessary. We're just going to have to kill Spock. Bum, bum, bum. But the very convincing. You guys. Of course not. There's a weird, like, oh, whose body is in whose head and whose head is in whose body. Ha, ha, ha. ha. Not Stargate did this better. No, yeah, totally yeah. not important so, because, of course, they get Hemlock out. Yeah, and as far as, far as he's aware, um, he's still in command of Chapel, and he's like, because uh, they give Chapel a, a hypo spray full of poison that is deadly to Vulcans. And, yeah. And, uh, and then Spock turns. Eh. Henock turns to her and she's, he says, uh, no, no, uses on the captain, I think he does Sure. It. Yeah, and then instead she turns and injects him with it. Yes, and he goes, betrayal! Yeah, and falls down. And uh, Sargon keeps him from transferring out of the body, and he's like, no, Henock, uh, no, Sargon, let me live, let me survive. And he's like, no, he just obliterates him out of existence. Yeah! Yeah. That's cold. Very yeah. cold. And again, he could have murdered him at any time? Apparently, yeah. I guess he was trying to do the thing where both sides, everybody gets to live because we're the best and the brightest. Although I think um, Hemlock, I'm calling him, was yep. probably an evil scientist. Mm. Yeah. He, yeah. Like, he was really good at being evil. His yeah. voice for sure had an evil mustache. Yeah. Definitely. 100%. This bit was confusing. Now that we're recapping it, it's a couple of days since I watched it. It's, like, really confusing. It's confusing to describe, but actually when you're serious, you're like, It oh, made a lot of sense. Yeah. Because Spock's brain is actually in chapel. Yeah, because the second she turned and, and injected Spock's body with the poison, I'm like, oh, he, she, he's in chapel. Because we know Vulcans can do that. We do? Vulcans can put their consciousnesses in other people. We do? Yes. There's a whole movie de- dedicated to We this. haven't gone to the movie yet. Okay, but you've seen them before. We do? Okay, well, in Search for Spock, when Spock... <laughs> spoiler, Spock dies. But when he dies... <gasps> what? Spock's dead! He puts his consciousness in Bones. Where does Bones go? Bones is still in there. They're sort of sharing. And it's really... So Spock shared with Chapel. Yeah. I know. That's gotta I, be awkward. That's gotta like be the so awkward. awkward body share of all time. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, someone who she has definitely had... Dirty thoughts about? Really At dirty best. thoughts about. Yeah. yeah. And then they're in your head going... Huh. Interesting. Also, being the person who you're like, this is a person I've had really dirty thoughts about. Oh, they're in there. I can see what they actually think about me. This is embarrassing. This is, yeah. Also, it's worse if you think about the fact that Spock probably has the ability to shield his thoughts better than she does because he has psychic powers. This is the most awkward body sharing of all time. So he can see everything. She can see nothing. So So awkward. So she just gets to sit there as he pokes around and her going, oh, oh, oh. Long story short, because it's a little complicated, Sarkon sorts them all out. Everyone's back in their own bodies. Um, Chapel is really smug about the fact that no one suspected Spock was in her head for some reason. Sure, fine, whatever. I don't know. Um, And Sarkon's like, no, you know what? We're actually going to have to destroy ourselves and go into oblivion because we obviously can't be trusted to exist. And she's like, oh, oblivion will be okay with you, Zardoz. Together, into oblivion. But first, but final first, makeouts. But yes. first, makeouts. <laughs> yeah. uh, can we borrow your bodies to make out again? <laughs> Just one more time. I have a question for the group. Okay. Yes. Do we think that oblivion is actual, like, oblivion 
energy dispersing consciousness gone forever? Or do we think that they're using this as sort of like a catch-all term for actually ascending to another plane? Uh, okay, so another objection of John T. Duncan, oh, original boy. writer oh, the of the show, was like, I'm sorry, Oblivion what? <laughs> yeah. No, I think Oblivion is death. I don't know, because yeah. I, I thought that initially, but then I'm like, but they keep talking about being together and being... Well, no, it's like a metaphorical Okay, together. do you remember yeah, the planet of the giant Greek god? Yes. When he said all of the other people, they just dispersed into and scattered the into the wind? I, I think that's the thin. same thing. They're mm-hmm. just... Yeah. Spread, like, they're just releasing their consciousness into the galaxy. Yeah. They become but that makes yeah. me think of the Voyager episode where they, with the race of people who sort of beam their dying and dead into another dimension, but it turns out that they do physically ascend to another place, but they die, but they think that they get new bodies on the other side. No. So I wonder if it's like a, even these super ascended energy beings don't know that there's possibly another, like, dimension or something? No, they're just straight up dead. Yeah. They're dead into I guess the... that level of sophistication of ascension didn't really come into existence later, until later in it's sci-fi. It's the cold eternity of space, Ari. Yeah. Well, probably not space. Because they don't have physical bodies anyway. Ugh. Uh yeah, and that's it. Well, they make out and then they promise to be together forever, and it's beautiful. And and never is again. like one second. Yeah, and yeah. then they're dead yeah. for reals this time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of at the at its heart, I think, kind of like supposed to be a sweet love story between two people who could not be trusted with bodies. Yeah, or any kind of power of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a story about doing the right thing. But even if... And the... sacrifice. Yeah, I guess. And how maybe we shouldn't do... Also, it's more. kind of like, um, if you think of the people who have a power differential, differential, that the people with the greater level of power, it's kind of like a non-interference directive turned inside out. It's like you shouldn't be interacting with anyone because you're too powerful and you know too much. Like, they were, in a way, they were being responsible for the power that they... Eventually. They, they possess. Yeah. 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 I don't know. What did, what did everybody think? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Were you indifferent? I think I was kind of like, oh, okay. Right. It was fine. Okay. I liked this episode. Yeah. I think it's I like... something that's been done a lot yeah. afterwards. And like, better. a lot of other shows have done it in the same way. But I kind of liked, I don't know, like, the nobleness of it. Uh-huh. And the, the weird kind of love story where she comes to realize that no... Life isn't everything. Sometimes making the right decision is more important than my individual survival. I liked that bit. I liked their makeouts, obviously. Even though there were huge consent issues involved. Yeah, also, Shatner does not look like a good... No, uh, that doesn't kisser. look like it's it a would lot be of mauling, like a yeah. lot of neck work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it always looks really. Yeah, no, I mean the first time when they just sort of transport themselves into the bodies on the planet and then start making out, it mm. was that's Ooh, not okay. But no. when once everybody agrees, although I feel it seems like maybe okay. at that meeting yeah. they should have like laid out exactly what was like. Okay, so I, I approve. I, I consent to having my body shared for science. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, another tick box. It's like, and also... Make-outs, make-outs. and no-butt stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that if, if if we had been assured that these things had been spelled out beforehand, I would be much less uncomfortable. But since we have to assume that that would have been a surprise... Yeah. yeah. No, I, I thought this was awfully sweet. Which yeah, parts of it to, really definitely um, our life lesson of this episode. Kim? Um... Come back to me, please. Oh, God. Oh, come back to me, please. Um, Ari. I think you should go first. I don't know. Like, I came away from this episode <laughs> going... Yeah, I, I had a really tough time coming up with a life lesson other than, like, 
true love lasts into oblivion, war is bad. I think... Don't be an evil scientist, like... Yeah, and also, like, if you're about to engage in some kind of relationship, people, there are forums on the internet that you can fill out about <laughs> what, you're, what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. Yeah. It's very important. Always get it in writing. That's mine. That's true. That's true. I think it's also about... I think it's quite beautiful. Love, Parts of it. Love transcends all that. I really stuff. liked the meeting, too. The Risk is Our the Business The space meeting? Speech. I like uh, that. Risk is Our Business. Yeah. I like that's that. A, that's a good life lesson. Risk it is. is our business. I'm taking that for my life lesson. Risk is our Being business. alive is a risk, and so risk is our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, performance of the episode, Kim? I gave it to Leonard Nimoy for his beautiful um, <laughs> casualness and evilness, and I liked him. I liked him a lot in this episode. Kim likes Cash Nimoy. Um, Diana Maldar. Yeah. Okay. She was very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, to her. Like, she was good, but you, I thought Le- Nimoy was better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm giving it to Bones. I thought he kicked it out of the park with his righteous rage about yeah. you guys just don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kim, your count? Um, three deaths. Oh, yeah. But, but were they ever alive? Yeah. Were they already dead? Mm. Also, okay, so if you wanted to go with the balls of energy... Yes. Three deaths. If you wanted to just go with physical bodies, one. Kirk. But he came oh, back. He yeah. came back. Yeah. yeah. So, like, half. Yeah. yeah. Half a death. Um, Ari, your count? Uh, four ladies, three people of color. Including the nurse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. I'm only counting ladies with physical bodies, so the lady doesn't, <laughs> doesn't get an extra pip on her own. Bodyist. Yes. Bodyist. Yes. Uh, so, try not to get possessed. Hey, guys. If I die and putting my mind in an energy ball is an option, I'm saying no. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Depends whether I can watch TV or not. Ooh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. I might actually be able to catch up on all the Netflix stuff I'm behind on. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>